Romans 8, 1 through 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, so we're going to be in Romans 8, if you didn't catch that. Uh, if you need a, a copy of God's Word, there's uh, one in the back at the welcome table. Uh, we are uh, in a series walking uh, through the book of Romans. We've kind of taken it in, in small chunks, and so we're uh, right now in Romans 6 through 8 in a series called The Battle. The Battle, and if you don't know yet, the Christian life is a fight. Can anybody say Amen. And let y'all won. Let me know. You tell me how you did it. All right. So Romans eight. Romans eight. And so when I when we think about um, the battle or or the fight for Christian maturity, I think oftentimes we we kind of see people on a scale. So sometimes we look at people who we might consider to be very mature in the faith, and and what we think about, we consider the progression of maturity as one from weakness to strength. So a lot of times when maybe somebody's first starting out walking and the Lord will say stuff like they're, they're a baby Christian or, or they need to get stronger. And if we see somebody who has maybe been with the Lord for years, we look at them and say, oh, my goodness, man, their spiritual muscles are huge. They must have been working really hard and, and they have gained some strength. But here's what I want to communicate to you today. To walk in the spirit is to continue to live by the grace of the gospel in Christ. It, you, you don't get past the gospel. You don't get over your need for the gospel. You don't get strong enough to where you don't need the truths of the gospel. Beloved, the truth is, no matter how long you've been in Christ, you are weak. But there is hope. Because the same gospel that has saved you is the same gospel that can hold you and that can sustain you. So, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me preach this. Help us to understand it. 
Look at verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you ever needed to memorize a verse, this is the one. If you ever wanted to put a verse on your refrigerator, this is the one. If you want to put it by your office desk, this is the one. The reason why this is so significant is because when I talk to people, we can feel as if our sin is highlighted on our forehead. Whatever we did the night before, the week before, the month before, we can kind of walk around with this guilt. And we can assume that maybe even other people know about our supposed hypocrisy. And we, we feel so, so bad because we understand the standards of holiness and the standards of righteousness. And if we have any type of clarity about ourselves, we know that we often do not meet those standards. But beloved in Christ, your sin is not tattooed to your forehead. There is another label that hangs over you, and that label is forgiven. There is no condemnation in Christ. And see, this is stunning. This is stunning because God's moral law condemns justly. Now, when we look about the, when we think about the moral law, we, we, I want you to, to think back to a couple weeks back. We talked about the three uses of God's moral law. We talked about how, how it's a guardrail. So, for instance, when you think about doing something wrong, you think about what is the consequence. And if the consequence is really bad to you, you probably don't do that. Not because your heart's like awesome. You're like, I don't want to get in trouble today. All right. That, that's the guardrail. The, the law also functions as a mirror. So you're like, what do I look like morally? What, what, what is my what is the, the, the figure that is me? When you look at the law, the law shines back on you and you start to see the imperfections of your own morality. It's like when you're going around and you're smiling and you think you're cute, but you got something in your teeth and you don't know it. And you need a mirror. You'd be like, hey, now go on to the back. Come on now. You see that? All right, and it's also a guide. When we have, we have seen the goodness of Christ and our hearts have been transformed, we're like, well, okay, I want to obey. How? That is the law. So, beloved, when we think about that second use, the more we look at the law, the more clearly we see our flaws. The more we look at the law. So, for instance, you might have thought you was good and you was thinking about what Jesus said, and Jesus said, you have heard it said that you should not murder. And you're like, check. I got that. But I say to you, anybody who hates his brother or sister in his heart has already committed murder. And at that point, you're like, oh, man, the mirror don't feel so good today. Beloved, this should teach us that the study of scriptures should produce humility, not pride. Beloved, when we study the scriptures, when we get into deep theological concepts, beloved, we are doing it wrong. When we have an inflated head and think, well, we know so much. Listen, if you know so much, you should be humbled. If you know the truths about God's word and the reality of your life, you should be humble. Yet Christ has done something that takes away the condemnation that, listen, that we justly deserve. Beloved, we believe that he forgives us. It, it, it doesn't matter the, the sin, how big or how small Christ can forgive you. And so the question is, how exactly does Christ accomplish this label of no condemnation over the Christian? 
Now, I'm going to put your thinking cap on for a minute. Can we do that? Verse 2, it says, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, let, let, let me, the law, when you think about the law, you can think about what I just said, the, the, the standards or the rules. But there, you can also think about the law as a description of how things work. For instance, the laws of physics, the law of gravity. That's not necessarily, it's not telling you what to do. It's just saying this is how it works. So when we read this scripture, I want you to have that understanding of the law. So it could read like the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the principle of sin and death. So what exactly is this principle of sin and death? What is he talking about? He's talking about what he's been describing this whole book of Romans. He's talking about this sin cycle. So beloved, the, the, the principle of, of the law and sin is do this and live. So the opposite is what? Don't do it and what? Die. Okay, you do this and live or you can don't do it and you die. Now here's the issue. Here's the issue. We don't do it. That's the principle. And listen, it, you can't change the principle. Like, you can be like, I don't like gravity. That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to like it. It, just, it is what it is. Okay? It is, it, I'm sorry. It just is what it is. The Bible calls sin lawlessness. So, so imagine, like, like, you know, speeding down the highway and getting pulled over. And the officer's like, do you, do you know, like, how fast you were going? And, you, you know, you get out this law book that you wrote the day before. No, I wrote the new law. You see, I wrote it. It says I can go this fast. And the officer's like, bro, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> you can't just make new laws. But, beloved, that's what we do when we sin. Okay? So when we sin, we're like, here's the law. I don't like them laws. Let me write some new ones. And God's like, you can't do that. It doesn't, I'm the one who writes the laws. You can't make up the own their own laws. And, and scripture says in Romans 6 that the, ra- the wages of sin is death. What, what nat- the natural consequence of what you get paid for the work of sin is death. The Bible kind of paints this, this punishment in, in two metaphors. We, we can see this, this cursing when Adam and Eve sinned that they were cursed. But also it was this sense of you got to get out the garden now. Exile. So we see this punishment and exile. That's the description of death in the scriptures. And this is the reality of sin. When you sin, you feel like you've done something wrong. Yeah? You feel like, oh, man, if they, some, I probably ought to, you know. It's like when, when my son does something bad and I walk in the room and he starts putting his hand behind his butt. Oh, I, I didn't do it. I'm like, no, nah, he's trying to block his paint, y'all. Like, like, he, already, like, he already knew. He already knew. <laughs> Beloved, that, that's how we are with the law. We know, we feel it in our bones. But not only that, here's, here's the key. When we walk in sin, we also have this feeling as if God does not want to be near us. That's that shame in exile. That's why, listen, I can't, I can, this scenario plays out all the time. I'll be like, hey, you want to come to church? And they'll always say, when I get right, whatever get right is, Get right means when I don't feel shame anymore. But beloved, the reality is, if we live by the principle of sin and death, which we have, it is just the principles, the way it works. If we sin, we feel guilt and shame. But there is another principle. If we're going to have life, 
because sin is a reality every day. Christ has done something for us. He has created another law, another principle at work through which we can approach God. See, only the one who created the principle can make a new one. And so he sees us in this feeling of guilt and shame and punishment and exile. And he says, no, actually, I want you to be near. I want you to be near and I want you to have peace. And the next verses, he begins to describe this new principle, this principle of the spirit, beloved, which is the gospel of Christ. In verse three, it says, for what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So, beloved, the the principle of sin and death, it cannot accomplish peace and salvation. Okay, to rely on the fulfillment of the law as the basis of your spiritual standing is like living on a seesaw. One day, you're like, I did pretty good today. I obeyed 70% of the law. And maybe you feel really high. And then the next day, you're like, I only got 15% today. I was wilding. You go down. <laughs> oh, I, I love my, I gave that person something. They was hungry. You up again. Man, I was rude to my friend. You see what I'm saying? Like, you live on this, this spiritual and emotional seesaw if you rely on your own works in order to justify you before God. The teaching is that the law is good. The issue isn't with the law. It's that our ability is weak. You still, here's the deal. Sin still has to be dealt with. A lot of times I feel like people are like, man, God's so mean. Why he couldn't just forgive the sin? But beloved, our uh, conversation of justice should help us clarify that. Now, imagine the, your judge, your local judge, just felt forgiven all the time. I just want to forgive everybody. You know, I just want to forgive them. And you're like, well, he stole my stuff, though. <laughs> I'm just feeling forgiving today. But can I get my stuff? I forgave him. You'd be like, bro, like, <laughs> he took my stuff. Like, I want some justice. See, listen, when we are on the wrong end of justice, we understand that it is important. But beloved, when we are the culprits of sin, we actually begin to fear justice. But because God is good, he is also just. So if he is going to look at sin and turn his face away, that is not just. But when he sees sin, because he is just, he says that needs to be dealt with. That it, listen, that is a good thing. That is, that is part of his good character. The issue is that we are the culprits. See, sin still needs to be dealt with, even if God forgives. Justice demands this. And if it doesn't happen, you have righteous indignation. And so then you see this principle of the spirit, this, this thing that Christ has done. Christ came and he lived in a human body. He submitted himself to the weaknesses of the flesh. He lived this, listen, you got to understand, Christ before he came in the flesh was limitless. Before he came in the flesh, he had no needs. Before he came in the flesh, he was worshiped in the heavens. And Christ, because of his love for you, limited himself in a human body and experienced all the weaknesses that you experienced. You understand that when you feel weak, you feel more prone to sin, yeah? When you're tired, you get a little irritable. Beloved, Jesus was hungry and tired and needy, but unlike us, he never sinned. 
See, Christ fulfilled the law. Christ accomplished what we could not. And then it says that Christ was sacrificed as a sin offering. Beloved, if you ever just wonder, you're like, how does God feel about sin? Like, what is his, like, what is his gut feeling? I want you to see Christ Jesus on the cross, bloody, beaten, gasping for air. Beloved, that's how he feels about sin. That it would cost the life of his own son. And when you see Christ Jesus on that cross, don't make the mistake of those who passed by him and, and wagged their heads and thought, well, what did he do to get on there? No, no, no. What did you do that he is on there? Beloved, our breaking of the law put Christ on the cross. He is our substitute on that cross because he accomplished what we could not. Yet, he took our punishment. He took our place. Now, here's, here's my, my favorite part of that, that, that those groups of verse that we just read. In verse 4, what, he did all this stuff. The, the, came in the flesh as a sin offering in order, in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in who? Us. Now, you got to go, wait, wait, now what now? <laughs> he, did, he did something in order that the law's requirements are fulfilled in us. Beloved, I, sometimes we say theological words. I want you to repeat a word. Imputation. Hey, good job. Imputation is the doctrine that, that Christ's record of right doing, his record of, of always obeying God, that perfect record when you come to Christ is applied to you. Beloved, you took the test and you got a zero, okay? He took a test and got a hundred, and he gave you his hundred. Beloved, when we come to Christ, the slate is not just clean, beloved, but we get the credit that he earned through the righteousness of his life. So, beloved, the law is fulfilled in us not because we fixed ourselves and was able to obey it. The law is fulfilled in us because Jesus fulfilled the law and then gives us the merits that he deserved. Do you see what I'm saying? The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. Now, we have to ask our question, what does it mean to walk according to the flesh versus walking according to the spirit, right? Well, I, you know, obviously, you don't want to walk according to the flesh. It's not good in the text, right? Verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh have their mindsets on the thing of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their mindset on the things of the spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, here, here's this. Here, here, let, let me just break it down. A lot of times we, we go wrong when we get to this verse because we think he's building what he just tore down. What's the principle of the law? The principle of the law is you, you do good and good stuff happens to you and you do bad and you get punished. And so we, we just read about what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. And then we're like, all right, now that he's done that, you better get your mind, you better get your mind right. You better, you better obey now. Do you, do you see how that's, that's the same principle? So we'll, listen, let me make it plain. Sometimes when we think about what Christ has done in the gospel, we think about it, oh, he, he forgave my sins in the past. Now I really, really, really need to get my mind right so that then I can obey him so that he continues to be pleased with me. Do you see how that's the same principle? 
The same principle of the law. Do this and it'll go well for you. So we think Jesus did all the stuff. And so then we can go live by that same principle. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so he can't, it wouldn't make sense for him to say, Christ has died for you. You better, you better, you better get it right now. That would, how would that make sense? He, he, that, he would be building up what he just tore down. He's not saying Jesus saved you, so you better get your junk together. So what, what, is, what is the mindset of the flesh that he's talking about? The mindset of the flesh here is living without the knowledge of the gospel. I'll give you an example. There's this guy named Paul. He wrote a lot of New Testament. And uh, in Philippians 3, he was describing his life pre-Jesus. And he's like, I was blameless under the law. I obeyed everything. I heard everything the law said, and I did it. I was a Pharisee. I, like, he says, I was blameless. Like, this, is, this is Paul saying, before Jesus, I obeyed the law. See, he was relatively good according to the law. But he had no peace, and he did not know God. Why is that? Why is that? When you look at God as someone that you have to constantly please, or he might just kind of flip his lid on you, you actually begin to develop hostility towards him. You have, the host- you have hostility to the one that you cannot please. So even though Paul can look at his life pre-Jesus and say, well, I obeyed pretty much all the things, but he did not have peace. I obeyed pretty much all the things, but he didn't know Christ. He actually had a, had a hostility. Because you, listen, when, when someone gives you a demand that you can't make, how you feel? You're like, forget you. I can't even do, listen, if you live your life thinking, I have to obey God so that he is pleased with me. On the outside, it might look like you like him, but your flesh is hostile towards him. Because you're looking at a standard that you can't meet. But then, like, this mindset is deaf. It's like like you're running on a hamster wheel as fast as you can. You're like, if I run really, really fast, I will get closer down the road of pleasing God. But, beloved, on a hamster wheel, you can expend all of your energy, but you stay in the same place. You can run as fast as you can, but you don't move towards pleasing God. But there's this other mindset that he's encouraged you to have. This mindset of the spirit is life and peace. And the things of the spirit are the truths about Christ. What is the mind? So, so the mindset of the flesh is I better do good and he likes me. The mindset of the spirit is Christ has done something. And he likes me and nothing can take that away from me. And so I wake up in the morning not wondering if me and God are okay. I'm not wondering if he has hostility towards me today. But I know that he is pleased with me because the righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled in me. Why? Not because I did it, but because Christ has done it. There is a stability in that. There is no hostility. You're not like, oh, God, I hope I do. No, beloved, you can live in a sense of freedom because Christ has accomplished everything for you. So what does it mean to have the mindset of the spirit? It's to live as if the gospel is true. And you listen, here's the deal. We, even those who of us who are saved, we, we kind of slip into this, this flesh mindset. I hope you like me today. I did a lot. I read my Bible today, but I didn't yesterday. Maybe he'd cool me today. What? The, the Bible says the mindset of the flesh is what? Death. Death. See, instead of running 
and running and expending all this energy, you can rest in the bed of grace. Know that he has, 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 has handled every aspect of your salvation. And your heart can rest secure. And when you look at him, it is full of affection because of what he has done for you. Now, the question is, that sounds good. Why is it so hard to believe it? Verse 9, it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. What is he saying? He's saying the reason it's hard to believe this is because you have this deadness of your old nature in you. Okay, so you hear maybe from the pulpit that Christ forgives you and Christ loves you and you belong to him. But then inside of your flesh, you just love all this stuff that he hates. And, and it gets real hard to believe it. Yeah. Sometimes like if he only knew what I, he know, he know. If he only saw what I did, yeah, he saw it. See, when we become focused on the, the, the deadness of the old nature in us, the fact that we have this inward battle towards sin that, if we're honest, isn't always going so well. When our eyes start to focus on that inward battle, we take our eyes off of what Christ has finished for us. And we begin to get on the hamster wheel again. We begin to work real hard again. But here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen. I know that it's hard to believe the truth that Christ has handled everything for you when you when you know you, when you are around yourself and you pay attention. It's hard to believe that he says forgiven when you're tripping. It's hard to believe he says clean when you feel dirty. It's, it's hard to believe that. But listen, he says that the spirit has been given to you as an evidence of the truths of the gospel. He's saying even though. Even though there's this, this battle within your flesh that when you hear forgiven and you hear loved and you hear chosen, you kind of go, but, 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 but it feels weird. It feels different on the inside of my heart. He says, there is an inner witness that calls out in the darkness of your flesh. There is a lighthouse in your soul and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he says, you belong to Christ. He says, you are forgiven. He says, you are loved. Even when your flesh seems to witness the opposite, you have this inner witness God the Holy Spirit who says no 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 you are forgiven there is no condemnation you are loved there is no accusation that can hold against you beloved even when our flesh is crying out against us as an accusation we have the spirit who is greater than our flesh and says no 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 the truths about Christ are true regardless how you feel Amen. beloved we have the spirit as a witness and what I love, it says, it says, now the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, does the spirit give life because you are righteous? No. Well, I hope not. <laughs> the spirit, listen, the spirit gives life because of Christ's righteousness. It, listen, the spirit is given to you not because you did a good job, not because you asked really hard, not because you had an 11th prayer. The spirit is given because of Christ's life, death and resurrection. Beloved, he earned the spirit for you. So, beloved, because of his righteousness, we have the witness of the spirit. He's saying you can have life in the middle of the battle of sin. Even, even as there's a war that's waging in your heart, you can know these truths about Christ that are not based on your righteousness or how you did that day. 
It's based on his life, his death, and his resurrection. And what's lo- what I love is he ends with this. He says, he says he, Christ will complete what he started. Verse 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. What he's saying is, yo, I know it's kind of awkward being in the flesh and, you know, I'm forgiven, but I'm tripping what's happening. He's saying, listen, that's not, that's not the story forever. <laughs> listen, the, 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 the battle of belief is not forever because he will make you be what he declared that you are. Beloved, he says you're righteous, but when he comes back, you will be righteous. Yeah? The, the, the truths that he speaks to you in the gospel, when he comes back, when he makes your whole body new, those, there won't be a struggle between belief because you will live in the complete reality of what he has done. He's saying, I know it's hard, but beloved, that same spirit that gives you the witness of you're forgiven, that same spirit that says you're loved, the same spirit that says you are chosen, that's the same spirit that's going to transform your whole body so that what he says about you becomes reality. So, beloved, you can have hope. Yeah? It might be hard today, but there's going to come a day when he takes away that old nasty flesh and gives you a new body. All the aspects of the gospel will be applied to you. So what what does this mean? See, see, we we see the fight. Listen, the fight is not merely don't sin, although you shouldn't. I need to say that. You you probably shouldn't. It's not not good for you. But, But the main fight is believing what Jesus said versus what you believe in your flesh. That's, that's the fight, okay? So if that is the main fight, listen, that changes what spiritual disciplines are for. So when you think about reading the Bible, you think about praying, you think about coming to church and all the stuff that you think you're supposed to do, when you realize that, the listen, the major fight is believing what Jesus said about you. So why do you come to church? I don't come to church to earn a thing. I need to hear what Jesus has earned for me. I, I, don't, I don't recite scripture because I'm trying to get something. I need to remember what he said. I don't, I don't take communion because I'm trying to, trying to get some extra spiritual food. I need to hear this is his body broken for you and his blood given for your forgiveness. Beloved, we engage in the spiritual disciplines not simply so that we can climb up the ladder of some spiritual success, but because we need to be reminded of the truths of Christ at every point. So, beloved, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible daily, not so that you feel good about yourself, but so that you can hear the truths of Christ every single day. Beloved, we engage in spiritual disciplines because I, we have this battle in our mind and we need some ammo. Yeah. We need something to grab hold on to. And so we have these individual and corporate disciplines, this reading scripture, prayer, fellowship, service. We, not to get something because I need to hear the truth of Christ. And not only that, if what I said is true, if no condemnation hangs over your head if you're in Christ, the Spirit sings the gospel over you as you live out your calling. Listen, we all have unique callings. We have unique roles. we got different jobs, different responsibilities. And in all of those responsibilities, we are tempted towards pride and despair. If you feel like you're doing your job really well, you feel like you you like hitting the parenthood out the park, you're like, oh, man, look at me. If, on, if you don't feel like you're doing so good, you're like, doggone it. 
I ain't doing good. I hope my boss don't see me. Again, how do we get off of that seesaw? Beloved, the gospel of Christ rings true all my life, whether I'm doing a really good job fulfilling my calling or whether I'm struggling that week. And so listen, what that gives me is peace and stability as I live my life. Listen, living and walking in the spirit, which is the same thing as believing the gospel, is like a smooth ride for your soul. As you go through this journey of life, your shocks ain't messed up. You're not shaking around. No, no, no. The truths of Christ are sustaining you as you journey. So all your life, you can hear, there is therefore no condemnation. And you can remember that Christ will bring your whole body to life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the gospel. We praise you that that you were sent by the Father, that that by the power of the Spirit, you lived a life that was worthy of honor and praise. And Lord God, that you didn't didn't cling to to, uh, the, the rewards of your obedience, but you got up on that cross because we were disobedient so that the righteous requirements of the law could be fulfilled in us. Lord, I know that you want your people to live in the truths of your gospel. You don't want them to live in the hamster wheel of guilt and shame. But you want us to rest in your grace. And so by the Spirit, Lord, would you help us to believe the gospel in the depths and in the core of our being so that we might walk in the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.